In chapter 22 of Genesis, we started talking about this, I believe it was two weeks ago. Yes, I, I'm, I'm sure it was. It was two weeks ago we started talking about chapter, or what the events going on in chapter 22 here. And in case you haven't been here, <clears throat> you haven't been here, you've forgot what we've been talking about or what have you, in chapter 22 is where uh, God tells Abraham to go and offer his son as a, as a sacrifice on top of Mount Moriah. And we've talked about several similar or, uh, things within this chapter up to this point in different references. And, and uh, I've really enjoyed going through this chapter. Uh, I've, I've been enjoying going through this book in general. Uh, once again, it, it's, it's always enjoyable for me. I've always loved the book of Genesis, and that's Honestly, that's one reason why I chose this book. It was, and I know I've probably said this before, but it wasn't my initial intent to take so long to get through it, but, um, but it's really been uh, uh, enjoyable for me. And, and like I've said before, hopefully it's been enjoyable for you guys as well. Maybe not every class, but certain classes, probably more than others. But... Um, See, now I've lost what I was saying. But in chapter 22, God tells Abraham uh, to go and offer his son as a sacrifice. And, and we see several uh, aspects here of what we've been talking about. And I'm not going to get into the details of, as far as different things here. Uh, but ultimately, we got down into, chap- into verse 12 this past, last week. And so ultimately, we have Abraham... He obeying the, the voice of God and, and taking Isaac, his son, and took uh, two servants with him. He had also had wood uh, for the sacrifice, and they left out on this journey. They uh, came upon the, the mount that the Lord has shown them, and he told the servants to stay there with the donkey, and uh, Abraham and Isaac had went upon the hill. And, uh, and Abraham laid out the wood and, and placed his son upon it. And in verse 11, uh, well, verses 10 and 11, we have Abraham uh, grabbing hold of the knife and standing above his son about to come down upon him when we have the angel of the Lord uh, coming to him and, and calling him out, saying, Abraham, Abraham. And he says, here I am. So I'm going to read verse 12 real quick. That's a real quick. Uh, summary of what we've got up to this point. Uh, but in verse 12, we have the, the, the angel of the Lord speaking to Abraham, saying, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Like I said, we started to talk about this last week, and Time got away from us, and we didn't get to finish up this discussion here in verse 12. But we had made reference to uh, last week uh, when, we were, when we were talking about uh, Abraham and, and, and this test that God had put him through uh, as far as uh, wanting him to go and offer his son Isaac. And we had compared it back to James chapter 2 and I'm going to read James chapter 2, starting in verse 20, going down to verse 24. It says, 
But do you want, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith made him perfect, was made, and by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see, then, that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. All right, now, many times in James, you, you, you'll hear the aspect being brought out because a lot of people want to want to say that, that all you have to have is faith now. But James obviously clearly points out that it is not just faith alone that saves you, but yet it's works as well. And comparing that to what we have here in chapter 22, uh, especially here in verse 12, when it says, when God says, for now I know <clears throat> that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And uh, Frank had made a comment last week, and he had told me afterwards, actually, you had told me that you wanted you, you wanted to continue on with your comment. Did you, you, you wanted to say anything else about that right now? We was talking about fear, you know, the fear of God, you know, that God knowing that he, that he fears God. And, uh, and the comment that I remember, at least, of, of Frank making mention of this fear was that, you know, we oftentimes think of fear uh, as being, you know, someone that, that trembles and, and is just terrified about something. But this fear here is more of the aspect of respect. And I believe that's what you were making mention of last week to me after class. And, uh, and this whole aspect of how that God, you're saying that now I know, you know, here we have uh, in James talking about this, this him working, you know, that his faith was made perfect by his works. I had written a little comment in my notes here. It said, so you see, it wasn't until Abraham had taken his son, placed him on the altar <clears throat> that he had built, and held the knife over him uh, that his faith was made perfect through his works. And it wasn't until he had actually completed this uh, that, that God then said that now you're justified, or now that I know that you fear me, uh, that you respect me. Um, in, in, in this aspect. Did, did you have anything else you wanted to add to that? I, I didn't want to... to I, I, all right. And I appreciate you bringing that up to me last week because uh, it wasn't... You know, I didn't have that, that thought in my head when I was talking about it last week. Jim, I thought I saw your hand there for a minute. Just to add to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But if, and if it wasn't for him actually going through this, this process, this... this work, if you will, this test, you know, God might have been able to tell him that, but he wouldn't have been able to really see it, and, and so it shows that. Absolutely, absolutely, and <clears throat> as you was talking about the book of James, uh, I remember you know, when you, how the, the first chapter of it, in verse 2 of chapter 1, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into trials, uh, 
uh, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Uh, and and the, the aspect that I remember talking about this, and this went a while back, but referencing here how that counted all joy when you fall into temptation or when you fall into various trials uh, is, is not a, you know, if you fall into trials, but when, because there's always going to be a time in your life, uh, you know, multiple times that you're going to fall into different trials uh, in your life. Sometimes it might be something that might be very minor. Then, it, Like Jim was making mention of the, uh, the, the lady that she, he'd, talked about how her son had broke his arm and it was tore up, but then her, you know, I don't know how long later, but you know, some time, I guess, later, you know, her husband had died of cancer, but she was solid as a rock at that point. So it just shows the, the progression, once again, just as we can see in Abraham, the progression uh, of Abraham's faith continually building. Very good, very good. Any other thoughts or comments up to this point in... Uh, Genesis. All right. Well, starting in verse, we're going to read verses 13 and 14. And uh, has, then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in, the, caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for, for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. All right, so here we have this, this I mean, I can't even imagine the emotions that Abraham may have been going through at this point in time, as he had, you know, all the way up to this point, as he had he carrying out what the Lord had, had told him to do, you know, taking his son, bringing him up there, the time that was spent building the altar, which I don't know how long it would take to do that. I'm not even too sure what all was involved as far as building the altar, but I, there had to have been some kind of time involved with that. And then placing the sun upon it, about to bring the knife down upon him when the angel of the Lord call, called out to him. Uh, it, you, and now here he turns around after hearing these words, you know, that, that, that the Lord doesn't want him to do this, but yet he sees a ram behind him. And, you know, I can just imagine as Abraham's taking that lamb or that ram and, and placing it up there upon the altar and, and, and um, sacrificing that ram, the, the joyful emotions that was going through at that point in time and, and not only what was just told to him as far as... Uh, the thought of how that he, of how pleasing he was to the Lord and his faith uh, it, up to this point, and now here he is taking this ram, which you know, it, it makes me really think back to you know back in verse eight when um, when uh, Isaac had had turned to Abraham, had looked at him, and says, "Look, we have the fire, we have the wood. Where is the offering?" And Abraham has said, the Lord will provide. Here, truly, the Lord did provide an offering. Um, something else of interest here that I can't, it seems like somebody had, had brought this up. And I can't, it might have been Janice. We might have been talking or something and, and 
talking about the ram uh, uh, being all offered here you know, in all the similar uh, the similarities that we were talking about in between Isaac and Jesus and you know, how that this could be the very uh, hill that, that Christ would have carried the cross upon his back up um, just as Isaac had carried the wood upon his back going up and different aspects to that, as- to that thought. But here we have a ram uh, being caught by the horns and, and being sacrificed uh, just as, as Christ was referenced to as far as the lamb goes. Um, but just throwing that out there for thought. Um, the Lord will provide, yes. Absolutely. That's what I, I was sitting there thinking there was something else with this name that I was going to say, but that's very true. Uh, Beverly? Mm-hmm. It, right, it could have been that he, you know, that he had the thought that uh, something was going to happen and the Lord was going to provide an uh, alternate sacrifice, or even that you know, back in verse 8 when he was telling uh, Isaac, his son, that, that he might have just been thinking about how the Lord will provide a way that even though if I was to, you know, even if I was to slay you know, my son, that he would provide a way for him to be resurrected as well as what uh, the Hebrew writer had written. Absolutely, nothing's going to stop what the Lord has planned so for him not to worry so much. And that's definitely something that we can take benefit in as, as well in that thought. You're pointing out somebody? Oh, yes, Karen. As far as what God was asking, right? Okay. Because during this time period, from what I've read, uh, the, the people around in the surrounding areas were actually offering up human sacrifices. Um, and then you've got, what was it, uh, Mola? Moloch? Where they would have the uh, place the babies upon the hands of them. Uh, but yes, as far as God commanding, well, he commanded the children of Israel to kill off the uh, the uh, inhabitants of the land of Canaan. Okay, okay. <clears throat> For the purpose of resurrection. All right, all right, all right, all right I got you. All right, well, let's, let's look at, uh, let's look at verses 15 through 19. <clears throat> it says, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, uh, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand of the seashore that is on the seashore. Uh, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. All right, so basically we have it winding down. Um, We have the angel of the Lord coming to him a second time and, and... ultimately telling him because he's done this thing, he's not withheld uh, anything from him, even his son. 
Um, and, and once again, we have that, that aspect there as far as your only son, but the word, rather than, uh, the word son there is in italics, so uh, at least in my version, making reference to how that that's not in the original language. Um, but he tells him that he will continue to, to, to bless him and that it's from his descendants um, that all the nations shall be blessed, which is interesting enough as well as, as we continue to, to compare the, the similarities here with Isaac and, and, and Jesus, how that from this instance, everything that's happened in the same, uh, possibly the same hill that, that Christ would have been uh, upon, you know, hanging upon that cross for us, we have this, this promise being made uh, to Abraham. And it also makes me wonder, though, when we, when we think about how that he returned back to his, his uh, two men, how much of this that they might have known or not known or what have you. Just, just interesting aspects. But then we have him going back to Beersheba, where he had come from, and ended up staying there. Any thoughts or comments up to this point? Because in verse 20, we kind of change gears a little bit. Yes, Frank? No? All right. Well, let's look at the last little bit of, of chapter 22 here. We'll be able to get into 23 as well. Uh, starting in verse 20 and going on through the end of the chapter, we have... Now it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Indeed, Milhah also has borne children to your brother Nahor. I'm not even going to bother trying to go through all these names. It, it lists out <laughs> the names of, of his brother, uh, children here, and it goes down and it talks about uh, basically it basically gives us the genealogy of his brother up to the point of uh, Rebecca, and uh, there's there's a couple of reasons why um, I think this is in in this portion of this of, of God's word at this point in time. Um, one being that it lets us know that Abraham knew the descendants of his brother, and and what's going on um, as far as how that his brother had had kids and how that they uh, and, and one of his brother's kids had uh, Rebecca, whom will ultimately and I don't want to spoil it for you, but will ultimately come uh, become Isaac's uh, Isaac's wife. But we have the aspect here there for one. I believe it lets us you know, it confirms to us as far as the the. Relation as far as we're uh, of Rebecca and Isaac, it also uh, uh, shows us that Abraham knew about his brother's descendants and could have been the very reason of why he ended up sending his uh, his servant to him and or to uh, back to his homeland in uh, chapter twenty four. But any other thoughts or comments? Yes, Jim. Interesting. Did not know that. So verse 24, concubines, first time used in the Bible here, uh, in chapter 22, verse 24. Anything? Oh, yes, Julie? Okay, uh, confirms the lineage that 
that we have coming down through Christ? All right. All right. Well, in the few minutes that we have, we're going to get on over into chapter 23. Let's look at the first couple of verses here. It says, And Sarah lived, or Sarah lived 120 uh, seven years. These were the days or the years of Sarah, of the life of Sarah. So Sarah died in Kirja, Kirtha, Araba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and wept for her. All right, so we have Abraham, or we have Sarah dying at the age of 127. Uh, how old was she when, when she had Isaac? Anybody remember? What's that? I hear a couple things. 90? 90? Yeah, at age 90, uh, she would have had uh, Isaac. Abraham would have been 100. So here we have uh, 37 years later, so Isaac would have been around the age of 37 when his mother died. Um, but something of interest that I didn't really even gather when I, when I first read it until, uh, until I, I was reading some commentaries, what have you, about it. But in verse 2, it says, And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah. Um, in, in the commentary I was reading, made reference to how that it, was, it may be that Abraham was away from Sarah, uh, when she had had died, for whatever the reason, it could have been that, uh, that, that whatever had happened to her um, had happened pretty quickly, and was may have been unexpectedly, and Abraham might have been out doing something else, uh, you know, counting the sheep or something. I don't know, but uh, may have been away from her when she had died, and so he came back, and when he came to mourn for Sarah. Um, that could have been why it's, it's worded that way. I don't know that for sure. It's just I just thought it was interesting when I read that. I thought I'd pass it on to you. But we have him mourning for Sarah in, in your, from, from her death. So, oh, and, and another point that I'd forgotten to make here is that at some point, obviously, from the time that they had, that Abraham and Isaac came back from uh, Mount Moriah, they have moved from Beersheba up to uh, Hebron. So we had them moving again at some point in time within that time period. We don't know how much of a time gap that was. We discussed that some last week as far as how old uh, Isaac might have been. We know that he was at least old enough to be able to carry the wood, but don't know exactly how old he was. Uh, Also know that he was considered a lad, but I'm not going to get all into that again. But anyhow, there was some whatever the time period was there, they had moved from Beersheba up to Hebron, uh, where she had died at. Any thoughts or comments? All right, next couple of verses. Uh, Verse 3 through 6 says, Then Abraham stood up from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heath, saying, I am a foreigner and a visitor among you. Give me property for a burial place among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the sons of Heath answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my Lord, you are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest choicest of our burial places. None of us will withhold from you his burial place, 
that you may bury your dead. All right, there's a little bit going on here. First of all, I think it's, it's uh, very interesting in how the, uh, the sons of Heath here said, speaking back to him when he asked uh, for a burial place that, uh, that they make mention, says, you are a mighty prince among us. Um, now, it could have been that this is because of the, the, how big his, his possessions are, uh, but it also could be that they clearly see that the Lord is with him, that they, God is with him, that he is blessing him tremendously. Uh, but it also shows us a little bit of an uh, aspect that, and from my understandings, and, and I don't know this for sure, but you know, so correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, during this time period, as far as a foreigner coming in and buying uh, something, they wouldn't have really sold uh, land to them or what have you. It, it just wasn't really heard of for somebody to come in and buy some land from them. But yet they're they're offering this up to Abraham. And says, look, you know, here, you it's your pick. You take your pick, and we'll, you know, nobody's going to withhold it from you. Absolutely. And uh, and the interesting thing is, once you get down to the end of this this chapter here, is that from the sounds of it, and I mean, it, it could be you know, just me not understanding completely, but. You know, Abraham is basically just asking for a cave. You know, just just let me have a cave. But yeah, they they the uh, I forget the guy's name now that had um, that sold it to him. But he he says, I'm not only going to sell you the cave. I'm going to sell you all the land around it as well. Now there could be some different aspects as far as why that happened. Um, we can talk about that later. But. Um, but it wasn't just a cave that they sold him. It was, it was a complete land. And that could be because of the aspect of burial, you know, it being a burial place, uh, which changes the whole dynamics of the, of the land around it, I suppose. But any other thoughts or comments? Well, we have a few more minutes, so let's go on down to uh, the next set of verses. Uh, starting in verse 7, it says, Then Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, the sons of Heath, and he spoke, to, spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish that I bury my dead out of my sight, hear, hear me, and meet with Ephron, the son of Zoar, uh, for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah. Thank you. I, I said it a couple of times out loud even uh, before I came here, but I, I just couldn't get it out. Machpelah, and I don't think that's how I said it either. But <laughs> which he has, which is at the end of his field, let him give it to me at full at the full price as property for a burial place among you. All right, so at the end of verse 9 here, first of all, we see that this isn't just something that Abraham's asking for them to literally just give him, but yet he is willing to pay, you know, in as it says here, full price um, for this place to be a burial place for him. And so, but when you, when you see the response of the people here, we also see that Abraham had a specific place in mind before he even came upon them. You know, he, he knew exactly where he was wanting to bury, bury uh, Sarah at. 
it wasn't like he had to sit back and debate about it and think, well, where, do you, where is this place at? Or maybe take a tour along you know, all the burial spots. But he knew exactly where he wanted it to be at. Uh, and so he had, and he knew who owned it and, and what have you. So he referenced, you know, to, to talk to this person and uh, which I might buy this land from. So any thoughts or comments? Maybe that's the reason why Abraham had picked the place he did because he, he makes mention you know, that it's at the end of his field. Uh, you're letting them know, you know, this is at the very end. You know, it's not like it's right in the center of his, his plot of land here or anything, but at the very end. Um, so very good thoughts and comments, but it is time for us to stop, and we'll pick up there in verse 10 next week. Thank you very much.